It's a Love in Our Wake podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. Together with Ben Teefy and Jason Atchison, we're diving into theology to talk real life and learn how we, like Jesus, can leave love in our wake. This is Bethany Thompson. Let's go. Oh, pause, 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 though. Maybe people don't actually know who you are, Jason. True, 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 true. Uh, Nobody does know who I am. So, uh, (laughs) uh, super handy when you want to get away with stuff. Right. (laughs) Well, my name is Jason. I'm the Bible College pastor at Encounter Church, and uh, yeah, I've got two kids, a wife, and uh, life. Yeah, you've got a life. I got a life somewhere. That's good news, isn't Uh, it? If you got ministry and a life, got ministry and a life. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, how about yourself, yourself, Pastor Ben? Yeah, again, uh, 99.99999% of the universe would have never heard my name. I am the senior pastor of Encounter Church. I am the husband to Danielle, beautiful lady who's been graciously married to me for 24 years, nearly 25 wow. years. We have three daughters. They are 20 years old, India. Wow. 18 years old, Molly, and 16 years old, Lily. And uh, mm. yeah, we love life. I'm a card-carrying Bible nerd and not good <laughs> true, for true. much else. <laughs> <laughs> That's a much better intro than what I did. That's <laughs> true. That's true. Do you want to no, do joking. over? Do you want to no, do over? No, no, I think we'll be fine. <laughs> and even though everybody knows who Bethany Thompson is, Whatever. who are you, Bethany Thompson? Well, you know, I've been Bethany well. Thompson for a whole seven months now, hey. so I don't think anyone knows, but I am Bethany Thompson and I'm the executive pastor um, of Encounter Church and also oversee local and global mission, which is my absolute joy. And I have the privilege of being married to Jack Attack and I am a stepmother of three beautiful kids, 10, mm-hmm. 7 and 5. So um, it's a beautiful life. And I have some great colleagues, whether you're some of them or not, is uh, up for debate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so people can apply, can they? Joking. <laughs> we'll know within a few episodes. Yeah. We actually have a phenomenal are. team. So the email is where they can apply? Um, <laughs> info at... <no. laughs> HR at EncounterChurch.com.au. As it turns out, an exec pastor role just opened up. <laughs> Look, our podcast, um, if you're listening, is called Love in Our Wake because we believe that's one of the best things that we can leave. But we kind of want to open up that conversation as to why that, why kind of centre our mm-hmm. lives on that, mm-hmm. What, how do we model our life on that, where do we get that from? And so let's throw to Pastor Ben. Mm. Tell us what is it about that phrase that really captures you? Love in our wake. I think there's a few things about that and I don't doubt that there'd be even amongst people listening or even us in the room or other other settings where, where we float around in life that there are competing visions for life, aren't there? Mm. Like there's a competing all sorts of, you know, sometimes they conflict, sometimes they complement each other, but they compete. What should a person who says they follow Jesus, what should they be leaving in their wake in life, right? And mm. there'd be all sorts of ways that question could be answered. And I think people's experience says that too. I hung out with these people, what got left in their wake? What was what yeah, was the true. abiding sense that I was left with at the end of the day? So for me, as I've given this meditation over the last couple of years, and especially as I've been meditating in, you know, what is the irreducible minimum of Christianity? It is something that Jesus is at the center of. He's at the center Mm. of our life and our faith. And that makes not just his teaching, not just his death and his sacrifice, but also his life and his example, that the way Jesus actually was, that's what a Christian's supposed to become. They're not just supposed Mm. to believe the doctrines that he taught. They're not just supposed to benefit from the death that he died Mm. or even just enjoy the resurrection life he offers. But actually the whole point of it is, you know, John said it best, as he is in this world, so are we. So the whole irreducible minimum of a Christian is Jesus is my example. He is my Lord. He's my King. I put my faith in him. He's my Savior, but he's also my example. 
And then if I look at the life of Jesus, I'm forced to ask a question, aren't I? Well, what did Jesus leave in his wake? What was left behind him everywhere he went? Mm. And then we could divide up all the fruit of the Spirit and go, well, the joy people say he left joy and Mm -hmm. the peace people say he left peace. And he might have left all of those things. But in reality, there's one thing he did well, really, really well. And that is Jesus always left love in his wake. You know, and the image of love in your wake is a, a, a boat going through a body of water, right? That boat goes through a body of water and it creates a wake. Yes. Now, that wake can be destructive. There are laws, there are rules around the speed that you can go in relation to other vessels or certain, you know, shores or banks or something like that because a boat can leave a destructive wake. If there's other watercraft on the water, when a boat goes past, its wake can capsize those things. So the the whole image of you're going through the waters of life, but what are you leaving behind you and how is that presence felt? Once you're long gone, what's the enduring effects of your you being in the room? So for me, I feel like, man, Jesus just lived that out so well, the example of leaving love in his wake. And let's break that down for a second. Okay, we're leaving something in our wake. Why does it have to be love? We could get to that. But let's talk first of all about what love is. What do we even mean when we say leaving mm. love in your wake? What do we mean by love? Is it just a feeling that I have? Is it hormonal? Is it just, you know, unconditional positive regard? Like, like what yeah. is it? So ticking it around you guys tell me what's love i've always seen love as a choice that that god chose us um even when we didn't deserve it and so um when i think of love i think of uh that agape type type choice where i go Mm -hmm. hey i love you despite of um the, the situation or or whatever and so you know obviously there's those multiple three loves with eros uh, agape and filio so let's just pause button there for a second jace because maybe not all of our leaders uh, or not maybe not all of our listeners mm. are versed in the ver- variety of new yeah, testament greek point. words for love so what jason because he's the bible college guy fellas <laughs> hey. so he's, he's like got to rattle this stuff off and justify his existence so <laughs> so what he's just done with no notes in front of him is rattled off the three different ancient greek words for love that you will find from the world of the first century and so i probably said them completely wrong no you well, said right? them right which oh, i was you know surprised about I was thinking, <laughs> so that means we get to say he gets to say them again yeah, just slower so everyone can take them in <laughs> so let's say a little bit of context obviously because we are believers so we're talking about following jesus's example and what he left in his wake so what's our source of information for that and clearly we're not just going to delve into the universe with our spirits um we're really going to go what is reliable data around how do I orient myself around the life of Christ. And of course, the New Testament is that, right? There's four Gospels written by Matthew, Mark, Luke and John Mm. that give us the biographical details of the life and death and teaching of Jesus and the significance of his person. Then there's other New Testament letters, which are how do communities that are shaped by Matthew, Mark, Luke and John wrap their lives around the teaching of Jesus. And then there's this other thing called the Book of Revelation, which that's its whole new thing. And one day we'll uh, do a podcast called (laughs) Leaving (laughs) Fantasy Sci-Fi Theology in Your Way. Kind of it's like John and Tolkien go and smoke a pipe together and they leave something in their way. What is it? So we might do that one day. But Thanks for, for, now, in, for now, this is the shortest lived podcast ever. <laughs> one listener and then they all deleted. <laughs> so, but when it comes to the New Testament, then we're recognizing it's written from a particular language and a worldview. And that language is ancient Koine Greek, the common street Greek, not fancy Greek, not, not academic Greek always, but the street Greek of Joe Average in the first century world. So in that language world, there are three words. All of them could be translated into love. And in fact, if you, like me, 
enjoy the convenience of an English translation in your Bible. Hallelujah. You don't get three words for love. You get mm. the word love. But then in many different places and times in ancient literature, love could be one of those three words. So let's talk about what those three words are again, Jace. The first one being? Yeah, uh, so agape. Agape, yeah. Uh, which is love undeserved. The mm-hmm. love that, um, I guess, uh, how I see it, is, is that love that only God can give mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. In, in total. And then uh, eros, which is the love between um, a couple. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then filio is that friendship love. Yeah, that's how I understand them. No, I think that's a great that's a great way in terms of those definitions. Bethany, what would you like to would you like to add to those three definitions to get clarity? We can say it a couple of different ways. So I thought it was fantastic. I would just say agape is like the unconditional, self emptying yeah, kind of love. That's the one. That's the one. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's it is that choice, isn't it? Mm. It's not just emotion; it goes beyond emotion. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's why the contrast of the three words actually helps. Mm. So so the idea of Let's leave agape aside because mm. it's obviously the highest form of love mm. and especially when it comes to everything the New Testament says about God, the type of love God has or Christ and the type of love he exhibits. It's really agape that's given to us as the example. Mm. But that example is not as noteworthy if it's not contrasted with the other options. Mm. Yeah. So the eros love, which is where we get English words like erotic and erotica from, so that's very, you know, kind of it's intense their sexual words, yeah. intense emotion, love romance and and so this is like i can't help it there's deep longings and yearnings and appetites in me that are met by this other person whether it's like short-term erotic love like sexuality or Mm. long-term eros such as romantic love between a you know husband and wife or something like that but what's interesting about that is that is heavily driven you know like let's say by hormones psychology desire is a massive part of that you know so that's one version of it that eros love that erotic love there's this other one, phileo, and phileo is really filial love. That's like the love I have. It's brotherly love, the yeah. love I have for my mates, the love I have for my family. You know, growing up, I had three sisters. I loved them all the time. I just didn't always like them, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's that that filial love. That's affiliate love where we have something in common and our friendship has created a love in me for you. So we're friends. That's what it is. I really love my friends. I feel love for them and affection for them. That's what that phileo love is. Mm. So then... If you think about those things, one is the, the self-interest of romantic and heartfelt yearning and desire for a person. One is we're such good friends and I have such affection for you that that makes you part of my tribe. So I have that relational, you know, affiliate love for you. Well, what's agape in contrast to those? Agape is something different. It's not born from desire or hormone or, mm. you know, um, uh, yearning and erotic yearning. It's also not born from, well, we're friends, so I've grown to love you. That's not what agape is. Agape is unconditional love. It is objective love that says, no matter what you do, I will never love you anymore. And no matter what you do, I could never love you any less. Mm. This is love without strings attached, mm. love unconditional, love that cannot be earned and the highest form of hyper abundant love. Mm. That's the meaning of agape. But in the New Testament world, that definition is given new color for it because some things get said about agape love. And one of those things is that the view, in the view of the New Testament, you can't define agape love. You can only encounter it. And how do you encounter it? You encounter it wow, in the that's a cool self-emptying, thought. self-giving nature of the God that incarnated himself as Jesus of Nazareth, who poured out his life as a suffering sacrificial servant to redeem us and bring us back to God, who died stretching out his arms of suffering, saying, Father, forgive them for they know what not to do. And all the earliest followers of Jesus said... 
high, the highest form of every type of love has found new definition in what we see in that person's expression of it. And so therefore, it's not so much that agape is something that can be defined, but it's something that in Jesus of Nazareth is perfectly encountered, unconditional, self-giving, self-emptying love. So in a way, Jesus comes and he redefines every other love around that one. That's pretty crazy, isn't Mm. it? Do you know what it flags in me actually is that verse that while we'll still sit as Christ died for me mm, mm, and you mm. kind of think that, like you said before, he can't love me any less or any more. Like he loves me to the fullest right now. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. that fullest was not based on anything I have done or even anything to do with my existence yeah. right now. Um, it was long, long ago mm-hmm. that while we were still sinners and even before we were born, God set it apart to mm-hmm. die for humanity, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is a cool contrast to now because so much of our world love is based on the external something that you do that's right well i do find it interesting and the reason why i brought up those three right mm. away mm. is because in our world uh, or in society and marketing and things like that everything we use love to um activate an emotional experience and so we're throwing all these like erotic love you know curtains are sexy and things mm-hmm. like that and mm-hmm. so understanding i guess for me when i think about leaving love in my wake i think about what is truly the defining factor of the love that we're trying mm. to express. So mm. not yeah. just to get an emotional experience of like, oh, we fake love you, but we genuinely love you. Yeah, because I love you. puppies and I love Coca-Cola mm. and I, I love, love chocolas and, you know. <laughs> it's, actually, but, uh, yeah, it's actually a cool thought because that means that as followers of Jesus, when people encounter us, they're not always encountering something that feels good, mm. even when they meet love. And totally. I think that that, that separates thought. it, right? Like the eros love and the phileo love, it's a little bit more of an emotional love, right? Mm-hmm. It's a it's a feeling. And so, uh, you know, Hollywood capitalizes on this because if you watch every love story yeah. by Hollywood, it has the same life cycle. And that <laughs> is, you know, the star-crossed lovers, they meet each other, they don't like each other, but suddenly they are overcome with intense romantic feelings of attraction for totally. each other, which, you know, in Hollywood is always, you know, consummated sexually. and Otherwise, it's not love, you know. Um, and so that sort of has created a whole generation of people bred by media in Hollywood that think love truly is a feeling. Mm. So the corollary of a, a, a dilution of understanding what genuine love is, is now if love is only a feeling, then I love you when I feel loving. But if I don't feel loving, then why would I love you? So then you've got people who have relational life cycles of two years. They date, they get infatuated, they get together, they get married, then they then that feeling of love cools off or gets poisoned and polluted and suddenly they, they go to neutral dislike or hatred and yeah. then they divorce and they go and do that same thing again. You know? mm. but hey. it, mm. Sorry. I was okay. say, but it is interesting because then people come into the church with that same mindset mm-hmm. that it's got to feel good. Yeah. Yes, that's right. So it has to feel good all the time instead mm-hmm. of thinking actually – like to love is a choice, as Jace was saying before, but also there's sacrifice in it. There's boundaries in it. Mm, there's mm, But there's always mm. respect. There's never um, not that. Looks like we're tuning out. Jason oh wants to just cut us off. Um, <laughs> it's, like That's a good Os- time. it's like the Oscar music. You know, you're done now, Bethany. You think so? that is not That's true. a good time for a message from our sponsors. Yeah. Oh, wait. We don't have any sponsors because we're rubbish. <laughs> so sorry. But if you'd like to sponsor us, you can email. <laughs> Bethany.thompson at encounterchurch.com.au. Right on. Sorry, as you were saying. Oh, just that that's, we come in to church or any situation where we're, you know, fellowshipping with other believers and then we're coming with these misconceptions about love totally. and they kind of have to get filtered out, 
shaped out, discipled out over oh. a year to then receive what actually truly is the love of God, but also the love from others in that healthy community. 100%. So let's break that observation down into two things, right? Because there's how we are. Yeah. There's how we are that for us it has to feel good because we've been educated that it's it's love and it's loving if it feels good and gives mm. me go- goosies or whatever, right? So that's how we are. But then think about this. We bring that in and then we measure Christian experience with an emotional apparatus. And a transactional one, right? right? If the lights are just right, the smoke, sh- the smoke show's just right, the singer was just right, did the singing give me goosebumps? Oh, I really felt the love of God. I don't know, maybe you're just heavenly moved by the wonderful ambience of a good production. You know what I mean? Mm. But that doesn't mean that that's equatable with the love of God, right? I mean, in Christian worship is not how much love do I feel in this worship moment? How is does this worship moment mm. move my emotion? Great if it does. Like it's, it's better if it's a positive experience than a negative one. But in truth, for, for historic Christianity, love for God in worship was not measured in how you felt about it, but it was actually an objective um, acknowledgement God is amazing mm. and I use every pore of my being to love God with all my heart, mind, soul and strength and turn my affections upon him. So it doesn't matter how I feel about worship. It matters about how much objectively do I synchronize my heart, mind and soul with the realities behind the universe, which is the resurrected cosmic Lord, Jesus. That's you know. so profound. Mm. So then we end up with this expression of faith that is emotional. I'm, you know, it's easy to be Christian if it feels good. Um, you know, I'm more motivated with Christian things, virtues, service, whatever. If it feels good, we preach emotional gospel messages that really pull mm. your heartstrings. Because if you feel good, you get, you know, you become a believer. Yeah. So that's one thing about the way we engage in worship. But this is even worse than that. Okay, this is even worse than that. We project our fractured image of love onto God. So every time we hear God loves you. Yeah, wow. We are in yes. danger of imagining that what <laughs> God's love is is exactly the type of fractured, flawed and broken expressions of love that I have hiding in my own heart. So now it's not just me that is whimsical, fickle and heavily mm-hmm. performance oriented, but now I imagine God is that way. God is whimsical as well. Does God feel good about me today? Does God feel love? Have I done enough right things that God's going to like me and be nice to me and bless me now? And we've projected the same Hollywood broken love onto God. Ooh. And then, so so just imagine that if you really thought God was that way, doesn't it make it hard to trust that person? No, this is such a pause point. This is very cool thinking, isn't it? Yeah. Like hold that up and look in the mirror. <laughs> Far out. I just feel like um, in that it is really transactional, like that uh, I I love you, speak you love me, so I must love you. Like it's this transactional mm, aspect mm. of like emotion. Where I get something, I see something. Yeah, emotions, yeah. yeah, yeah. So then, mm. to me, this is what moves me as a Jesus follower, right? And I've been following Jesus for twenty two years, and I would say that's like twenty two years of rehab from everything else I learned to do and <laughs> that's be a great statement. before I was a Jesus follower, yeah. right? So the point is after 22 years, I'm still learning all of the broken things inside me that I project onto God is making God in my image. But what I'm supposed to do is I'm come to, I'm supposed to come to God mm. in the face of Jesus, behold him and then be transformed more into his image, his image yeah. which makes then I am supposed to be an image bearer reflecting how God truly is and let that change me, not take my broken image and project it onto God. Wow. So and that's what discipleship is, learning. There's a difference between my intuition about God for good or ill and mm. how God objectively is as evidenced in the Jesus of Nazareth who said, if you've seen me, you have seen God. Mm. Me and the Father are one. No one even gets God if they don't see him my way, you know, type of thing. So it's like, okay, I look at Jesus and I digest 
in Jesus of Nazareth, I learn everything I need to know about God. That's the revolutionary and crucial observation of the New Testament Gospels, right? From Jesus' own teaching, John 14, I'm the way, the truth, and the yeah. life. No one comes to the Father but by me. There's only one way to get God. There's one pattern. There's one um, reliable source for understanding what is the God of the universe like. His name is Jesus of Nazareth. So even his early followers, right, he's having this chat with them, and they're like, oh, okay, then show us God, Jesus. And you mm. hear that reply, have I been with you so long and you still mm. don't know me? It's like it's un- this is the revolution of Christ really is that the type of God that Jesus revealed is unthinkable to humans that spent three years with Jesus, eating and breathing everything with him, right? And then they still go, what's God like? You know, like, because I feel like this is giving me no hope right now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Pass no, the baton of hopelessness over, Ben. Thank you. There's hope later. There's hope later. But you've got to think about that because every one it's of us, the point, mm. the point of embarkation as a Christian disciple is to understand God is nothing like the God I would make in my image. And I would be stupid enough to go, but I'm smarter than any person. So the image I would construct of God is a really good one. But then Jesus comes and this is what God's really like. But even people who spent three years with Jesus. It's a very, yeah. And especially the spiritual black belts that surrounded the first century world, right? What did they do? They said, we're so offended by the God you seek to espouse that we want to murder you for that. You are, it's worthy of death because we dislike this version of God so much. We want to nail you to a cross, right? Which then makes me go, does that mean people walking into our churches equally getting offended when really they're getting love? Mm. Wow. Well, I, I would hope for Hopefully that. Hopefully not. The, I would hope for that to be <laughs> but, the know. very best experience someone could have that they're so offended by our love. Yeah. But I would say for me, let's come back to the original question. Why are the love in our way? <laughs> why not like the solar doctrine in our way or the sound beliefs <laughs> yeah. or something? But why is it love in our way? Is it because we're hippies? No, but it's because of all of the things that Jesus left in his wake. This He embodied a completely different way of seeing God. Right. which is mm. called the agape love of God. It's not the eros of God. If God feels attracted to you, so there's mm. something noteworthy in you that mm. you earn God's love because you're so wonderful, or the phileo love of God, you're part of God's tribe, you're part of God's family, you're part of his friendship circle. And so because you're part of this um, affiliate group, you're part of the right tribe, now God will be nice to you because you're part of that tribe, right? That's eros, that's phileo. Yeah. Agape love is unconditional love and evidence by jesus unconditional means it's not just unconditional like yeah i like you i don't have any bad feelings towards you no no it's self-giving it's self-emptying it's self-sacrificing which means i would do whatever it takes to give anything to sacrifice anything for your absolute highest good that's really what that agape is right and all the descriptions of it so jesus lived that way and that's what he left behind him an understanding of god this is what god is truly like Mm. jace what are you thinking well, I was I was just thinking like even just by one of the actions he took at his last moments when Peter cuts the ear off of, of the guard and he heals mm. the ear. Like it's just like this very nature of like even in this brutal time and moment, Jesus is loving and, and like you know, stopping this kind of mindset of like, no, 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 we've got to fight for the rot, like for the safety. And But he's like, no, 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 I love everyone no matter mm, what mm. and um i feel like so imagine imagine that someone hadn't heard that story right so yeah. let's orient around that story for those who haven't quite um dug in dug into it before <laughs> it's a bit of an obscurish reference and sure, unless you've sure. kind of been hanging around god stuff for a long time so so the night before jesus gets arrested and crucified yeah he's off in the garden of gethsemane the mount of olives yeah. mm. praying with his disciples yeah. 
and then Judas... Well, telling them off anyway. Well, like yeah. telling them, come on, guys, can't you stay awake and say a few prayers with me, man? I'm about to get sacrificed here. Yeah, that's right. Then an army led by one of his closest followers, Judas, who was bribed 30 pieces of silver to betray yeah. Jesus. Tell us where he is. And, you know, maybe they are, you know, there was no uh, digital iPhones back then. So you that's couldn't right. just have his photo on your iPhone and go, oh, yeah, that's the guy. You know, So <laughs> mm-hmm. we need someone to point him out to us. So this... Mm-hmm. This, this mob of people with clubs and swords and, you know, torches. What not, yep. They come up, they find Jesus, mm. and Judas has the signal, I'll go up and kiss him, and that's the one you arrest. So he goes and does that. And when the soldiers come to arrest Jesus, Peter... Peter! Is, hey, <laughs> P- Peter is the Get me of the Gospels, <laughs> except I never actually did anything good yet. You know? <laughs> At least he walked on water and he did a few other cool things, you know. But for me, it's like, yeah, I'm just like the guy that's putting his foot in his mouth constantly. Makes us feel normal, Peter does. Yeah. Makes us feel normal. So Peter somehow is carrying a sword, even though he's missed those whole repeated sermons, like that Matthew records yeah, verbatim in yeah, the Sermon like on the Mount about loving your enemies and turning the other cheek. And Peter says, no, no, friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears, you know. <laughs> So he's he draws like, yeah, a I'll sword. Get one for you, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> he draws a sword and chops, you know, takes a swing at this guy, yeah. you know, yeah. somehow. And if you've ever been schooled in the art of hand-to-hand combat, you know just how hard it is under pressure to be accurate. So he totally. instead of like do anything decent, he just slices the guy's <laughs> ear off. Like, Come Which on, is Peter. Still interesting skill if you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> that was his warning shot. Yeah. Sure it was. You're gonna be you're uh, gonna be walking with your head lopsided for the rest of your life, pal. So then Jesus grabs the ear and he heals the guy. He sticks it back on. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean we're with probably making it. Yeah, we're uh, making it sound comical, but in reality it's a truly incredible moment. It is quite profound, yeah. It's again, amazing. for the gospel writers. Everything they do in story form is to say, hey, this is what God's like. The story of Jesus shows you what God Mm. is truly like. It's the God that's unimaginable that you could never dare in your hopes and dreams construct one like this. What? Well, imagine you were coming to murder him. His follower is protectionist, slices off your ear. But what is God like? God goes, nah, we don't roll that way. My kingdom has a different value, a different nature, a different rule. And so he heals your ear, yeah. scolds his follower and lets you take him away and murder him. Now, there's all sorts of things we can unpack about that, but yeah, let's so just focus thoughts. on the Sorry. one thing, yeah. <laughs> the one thing which, is, which is that that embodies the unconditional love of yeah. God, right? Yeah, very profound. very powerful. What are your thoughts, Pastor Will? My thoughts legitimately were what does Peter feel in that instance? Mm. What does Peter feel? I was reading the Bible like that. When he's mm, lashed mm. out and he's done something that he's trying to protect his saviour, really, and just mm, probably mm. a mix of lots of feelings. Mm. And then Jesus has gone, actually, that's not how we roll. But yeah. you know, that's what I feel like with love in our wake mm. is that sometimes there are moments and that's our discipleship of actually, that's not how we roll. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it is actually the ongoing, like you were saying before, the ongoing journey of kind of God going, no, that's not how we roll. We do it this way. And sometimes in embarrassing ways, like mm. let's be real, when we have yeah. to apologize or we have to do something wrong or we have to really kind of, you know, oh, eat yeah, humble yeah. pie. Yeah. But there is that it is us submitting to lordship in saying, mm. actually, that's not, it's not how I roll. It's how Jesus rolls that yeah. matters. Yeah. And kind of ignoring the, not ignoring, but not worrying about those feelings of embarrassment, not not letting that even guide your life, but let mm. Jesus guide your life. Mm. Let Let those moments fall in comparison. Like let them appear in gospels. Let them be... Um, memories that you can share, not things that you're embarrassed about, but go, yeah, I'm, I'm growing to be like Jesus and that's mm, my goal. Mm. And I think, you know, sometimes we short sell just how difficult that is mm-hmm. and also how radical it is because I think we would we would all understand being like Jesus, oh, come on, guys, don't chop that guy's ear off, right? Don't chop that guy's ear off. But 
God is more radical than that. Jesus is more radical than just don't chop someone's ear off. Yeah. His thing is, if an ear is chopped off, we're actively healing them. We're not just doing them no harm. You know, like do no harm. The the Hippocratic oath. <laughs> yeah. It's not just don't chop ears off. It's heal chopped off ears. So there's yeah. a whole proactive element to what this agape love is that yeah. you would come to murder God, and He wouldn't tell His followers don't chop their ear off. He would heal you for it. Amazing. Yeah. Totally. It just it just blows my mind. And and as a podcast or as a church where we want to leave love in our wake like what's your vision in that mindset Pastor John? well i think you know i mean and this is something that's worth probably 27 more podcast episodes <laughs> but probably no hey. one's ever going to get to the end of this one but the one whole person. i think the point is if if we truly could say i'm a christian disciple then what i am doing is i'm being reformed in the habits of someone who follows jesus and it is habit mm. because it is not something that comes naturally, right? Unconditional self-emptying, self-giving love is not something that comes naturally to you. Mm. It is something that you can encounter in the face of Jesus. Yep. And then it is something that you are reformed by um, over time so that you could say, not only do I encounter it in Jesus, now I mediate and I presence that agape love to a watching and a waiting world, a world that is yearning for someone to do it because there's not a person alive that doesn't deep in their soul crave just that type of love and probably so many people have just given up hoping even in the church people probably given up hoping that they're going to experience love from other people Mm. and so it's the breakdown of the scriptures and the transformative nature that people can expect in this podcast in conversation let's hope (laughs) (laughs) and hopefully they ever meet us too i think think it's like as we as we go over time what we really want to do is we want to meditate what does it look like to encounter that in the face of christ yeah and i think the scripture funds that bank account for us we can delve into the scriptures and see on every page that's how it is right and then we can see in towards the end of jesus ministry his imperatives to his disciples you can call it the upper room discourse the the night before he dies the last sermon he preaches Mm. where he repeatedly says as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now you go and love other people. So mm. There's a wonderful progression there. Incredible. I get the love of God. You yes. know, Jesus encounters the love of the Father and then he channels and mediates that love of the Father to others. And then he says to the others, now that you've seen me do it to you, you now go and do it to other people. So what's he saying? He's saying, hey, guys, look at my story. I left love in my wake. Now you go and you leave love in your wake. Now this is something I don't think I'm good at and I need a meditative christian community where we walk together and we say well that's our corporate aspiration yeah that's right it's not just doctrinal purity because you can be doctrinally pure and very unloving yeah Yeah. but you know if you really had the agape love of god i don't know you probably would get your doctrinal purity sorted out as a Mm. byproduct as well but like which one's more important Mm. it's amazing thought and so really pausing on that and i do think that there's hey we're here to go after jesus and like he's our model in that and then Mm -hmm. also that we first receive it from him because we've got no hope unless that and then to find yourself in a faith community that can help iron that out disciple that out and Mm -hmm. actually test that out (laughs) (laughs) and bring that to your faith community you know like i don't see the church as a place i rock up going i'm here now love me you know that's true that's very true but it's also i'm here we're all here we're all broken and we're all in the school of jesus jesus rehab center learning Mm. In a world that leaves eros and filet or in its wake or destruction injustice lust which we could talk about how lust is the complete counterfeit of love yeah. um you know a world that leaves all those things in its wake and jesus says who would follow me and leave love in their wake 
channeling and mediating my divine justice and rule and reign to a planet that desperately needs it. Mm. Well, thanks for the conversations, guys. And, hey, if you're listening, then you can answer that question is who would do that? Does that include you? So thanks for stopping by and to stay connected, you can tune in to Encounter Church TV on YouTube or Encounter Church AU on Insta. And we're all about leaving, leading lives that leave love in our wake. So until next time, maybe you can find ways to do just that. Bye for now. Bye. Ciao.